This Prop Talk recording is a news and opinion product that is the property of Original Prop Blog LLC, all rights reserved. Original Prop Blog LLC is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this program. Live on tape from the OPB studios in Northern California, it's Prop Talk. Brought to you by the Original Prop Blog, we're making analog connections across the world. Each podcast features one-on-one chats with special guests to discuss the hobby of collecting original movie props and costumes. The Original Prop Blog is the original source of news, information, and opinion about authentic popular culture artifacts and memorabilia from film and television. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBorg. Okay, so uh, welcome to Prop Talk, and this is actually my first on-site interview with someone. I'm here with Tim Laws from the Prop Store of London. We're at Comic-Con 2010. It's Saturday. Um, We're both pretty spent, I think, at this point. That's fair to say. Yeah, but uh, we actually escaped the madness of the main... uh, Hall, and we're sitting outside in the sun, enjoying the ocean. So, this is probably the most relaxed yeah, I've been in this the is past good. three or four days. So, uh, welcome, Tim. Thank you, man. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So this is good because um, it's not over the phone, so I can actually uh, harass you a little bit. Totally. No worries. So, uh, tell me a little bit about what what you guys are doing here at Comic-Con this year, and uh, you've, you've come the last three years, Sure, right? yeah, this is our third year now, and uh, uh, we try, obviously, to improve uh, what we do every year and try and innovate a little bit more. Um, this year, we, we've added, uh, I think one nice little touch we've done is add a, an iPad to our, to our display. Um, we have a, the Grail Diary from Indiana Jones on the, on the stand there, and you can flick through each page of the book, uh, so obviously without touching the uh, the actual uh, doc, you know, the document itself, the prop itself, risking damage and everything else. So, it, and people are really getting into that. They're really enjoying the uh, uh, playing with the iPad, and obviously everybody's asking for the uh, the app. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what do you think an app would go for? <laughs> I reckon it, it certainly appears to be a demand for it. But then we are in the uh, the, the right place for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also starting to uh, promote our um, amalgamated dynamics um, items. Uh, we're just starting to get those through now on display bases and, and getting them presented properly. And um, uh, there's a couple of pieces on our on our stand as well that really look nice. And uh, we're pretty proud of that. And we're looking forward to offering those out to, to collectors uh, first week of August. And what are some of the films that you'll be selling items from? Uh, I think really the main the main ones that everybody's going to be interested in are the the, the Aliens franchise movies, and it's uh, Alien Three, Alien Four, and AVP. Um, there'll probably yeah. be some stuff from maybe AVP Two as as well. Um, but uh, some of the stuff is in, uh, in some of the stuff in their warehouses in pretty poor condition. Uh, so we've, we've, we've looked at restoring uh, some items, and as I say, uh, getting it presented properly onto display stands and things to make it, uh, try, you know, do the kind of thing that we normally do with this kind of stuff. Um, and 
it's starting to look pretty good. I'm sure you've seen a couple of the pieces there yeah. uh, yourself. And uh, do you guys have anything in England that's sort of comparable to Comic-Con, but on a smaller <laughs> scale, or is this just totally uh, like no, different? Uh, there, there's a number of shows in the UK now. Um, the NEC, the memorabilia show at the NEC is the longest established. That's been running for 20 years, I, I guess, off the top of my head. Um, but it just piles into like a garage car boot sale <laughs> compared to this thing. This is just, I, I mean, I look forward to this all year. It's really tiring. It drains you completely, um, but it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, hanging out with so many nice people. We're meeting celebrities. We're meeting producers and directors. We're meeting collectors. Uh, it's just, I can't describe to anybody who hasn't been here just how much fun it is. And, uh, and now we're sitting outside overlooking the marina and the ocean. I think this is, uh, this is pretty good. <laughs> it's even a little romantic now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> so, uh, what got you into, you know, genre films and uh, got you collecting and, you know, what, what really was sort of the genesis of, you know, kind of turning you into a geek that would, you <laughs> know, do this blend, for a living and so come to Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. I, I started, uh, obviously I've always been a movie fan collecting uh, movies on VHS and that was when uh, there was no such thing as a rental market for VHS, you had to buy movies for 40 or 50 pounds. Right. Um, and I collected autographs as well, got pretty seriously into that, into pretty high-end autographs. And there just came a point with autographs where there were so many fakes and forgeries and dealers everywhere and I just kind of lost a passion for that and um, in 1987 there was an advert in Photoplay magazine for uh, an auction of uh, aliens and James Bond uh, costumes so I took my girlfriend at the time and we, we went along to the viewing and that was the the Bonham sale uh, of, uh, of 1987 uh, August 87 of the uh, Colonial Marines armor and the uh, and the James Bond costumes and the Ripley spacesuit and, and Pink Panther costumes and various other super cool items. Um, if you'd have bought the whole catalogue back then, uh, you could retire now. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, but that's and that's when I first realised that this stuff was kind of available. Yeah. Um, soon after, I I was uh, in LA uh, with Joe Madalina actually at Profiles, um, and they were autograph dealers. Uh, themselves back then and he had a Laurence Olivier coat on, on, the, on the bench in his office and he, he kind of, uh, we got talking about props and costumes and pieces that I already had and the pieces he was aware of and it kind of seemed uh, interesting that, uh, that this, it was just a completely untapped, not untapped is the wrong word, it's just nobody was collecting this stuff, it right. was really really hard to find, um, this is long before the internet. Um, it was completely reliant on the shows like the NEC. Um, there's a show in Chesson um, back then that was a, a big focal point for collectors. And that's kind of where it started. You just start meeting people and start trading and working out what, every, what everybody's got. And, and then I started making trips to the US. I started coming out here in 1989. Um, uh, hooked up with Marsha at Starwares. We became firm friends, still are to this day. Um, and yes, just building a network of friends and uh, here I am now doing it for a living. Yeah. So how did you get started working with Prop Store originally? I, I beat him into submission to get me a job. <laughs> it, it's kind of true, actually. Uh, uh, Stephen and I have been friends for, for a good while before I joined Prop Store. 
Uh, we used to help out. We used to help him and uh, Lizzie out at the NEC, help them set up their stand. Uh, me and my wife, and um, it just came a point where you know he, he set up a prop store, and it was very very short time afterwards he realised that uh, he'd taken off taken on a a fairly big commitment and it was expanding ever so quickly and uh, yeah so he said he was going to look for somebody else and uh, I volunteered. Um, <laughs> the issue at the time was a travelling time, I lived quite a, quite a long distance from Prop Store yeah. and uh, it, it, it kind of had to convince him a little bit to um, that the, the driving to and from work wasn't going to be an issue, um, <laughs> which it, it hasn't been, I'm 10 years later and I'm still there. Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, it's the best job in the world, it really is. We have so much fun. I mean, being at Comic Con is just the tip of the iceberg. It's yeah. just, we have so much fun. We get to, get to visit movie sets, we get to uh, handle some of the greatest um, movie props uh, you know, that exist. Um, we hang out with great people. Um, and it sounds kind of corny, but that really is the best part of the hobby for me is is hanging out with with uh, with friends. I mean, you, yeah. you know yourself. You joined us for a dinner last night. Big crowd of people. Yeah. Great fun. Lots of you know, lots of great chat. And that's really what it's all about. If you take the people out of this hobby, then I don't see the point of doing it. Yeah. So you're kind of known for two things. One, you always wear shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and two, you're. Uh, Kind of one of the pioneers of the less is more philosophy of collecting, where you have you know nicer things, yeah, but not but, as many. Yeah, the less is more thing. I, I I I guess it's just something that's in in your head. You're either like that or you're not. I think yeah. there are there are many collectors that um, I call hoarders, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I've been to some collections where it's just room full after room full of of items, and it's stunning. You know, you spend all day there looking around, just sort of saying wow after wow after wow as you look at these great pieces and that's fine you know that's 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 uh, that's for certain collectors for me um, I do have an advantage working for prop store in that uh, I, you know I, we see this stuff every day and you know if I, if I like a particular item I can put it on my desk for a few months and you know I see see more of a prop at work than I would at home because yeah. I spend, kind of spend more time there but yeah for sure if I if I could have a on well, my final days of collecting, if I just had a room with just two or three absolutely killer pieces in there, that, yeah. that would be that would be absolutely fine for me. Uh, I'm not uh, not a hoarder at all. It's not that's <laughs> not my mentality, and it's not a financial thing either because you can obviously uh, you can you can generate uh, you know you can sell one prop to buy another and upgrade and, and right. so on. So uh, it's not uh, tying up finances that stop me from doing that. It's just uh, I find it much easier to appreciate one or two items than a than a room full of stuff. Yeah. And I think that really highlights when you when you have friends around, and you know you've got a just a couple of couple of frames or a couple of mannequins in the room, and, and people just talk about them. And I, I'm not sure I'd get the same effect if I if I had a a room full of stuff. Yeah. So what are some of your um, favorite pieces that you have in your collection today? Um, my favorite piece is is uh, the Dread Pirate Robert's sword. Uh, from the Princess Bride. Uh, Princess Bride is my favourite movie. Uh, there's very little stuff out there from it. Um, it's a piece I've had for sort of ten years. Uh, I, it's it's the second best piece from the greatest movie ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably in a minority, <laughs> but that's kind of good, you know. It's nice to pick a movie. Uh, I won't mention Mystery Men. Uh, <laughs> that's not so many people are, are collecting, so uh, that works for me.
Yeah. Um, I think probably the most significant item I have would be the um, Andy Dufresne's Bible from Shawshank Redemption. That's on display here. I've, I'm really proud to have brought that along to Comic Con. Yeah. And uh, it's um, it's had a, a great reaction from people, um, and that's kind of what I expected. I think it's pretty signi significant. Um, yeah. Well, I know because um, I we in America we don't have really any good. Movie, you know, quote movie magazines that are real genre magazines that focus, you know, on one of the movies we like, like action movies and, and sci-fi movies and things like that. And uh, so I read, you know, Empire and Total Film, and I know when they do their list issues, it seems like Shawshank Redemption is usually like ranked in the top three or, or number yeah, one. And yeah. so it seems like a it's an amazing in, movie. In Europe, it's it's really. Um, well more regarded yeah. I think than yeah. I mean it's popular here but it's it's like a whole different level there <laughs> yeah it does seem to be hugely popular I notice um, on IMDB's list of 250 movies is actually a number one at the moment it is yeah okay and um, it, it's it's weird I, I did actually see it at the cinema at the movie theatre I was one of the few people that went to see it at the, at the cinema I just read the book I'm a big Stephen King fan mm -hmm. and I just read the book and I just couldn't believe this movie had, had appeared at the cinema with little or no fuss and um, which is amazing yeah and the more times you watch it the better it seems to get yeah and then not not many movies like that um, yeah so judging on the reaction this weekend on the Bible I think it's fair to say that it's a it's a pretty significant piece yeah and uh, last year Frank Darabont actually yeah came and kind yeah, of bumped spoken, into you guys at your booth yeah spoken to Frank a couple of times I was hoping to catch him this year but he was uh, uh, he was only here for a few hours um, yeah I, t I told him about the Bible and uh, the fact that that it was it was safe and he'd always wondered where it had gone and he was very pleased to, uh, to know that it was um, safe and been looked after and he told me a little bit about it it's, it's one of a kind uh, they, they tried to um, to make two or three as they normally do with movie props but uh, it took so long to cut the uh, the rock hammer shape into the pages that yeah. uh, they just said no no that, that's it and then uh, then he sat Frank Darabont sat down with his uh, prop man and they had a handwriting competition the prop man won <laughs> and the prop man uh, then wrote the inscription into the uh, into the front page wow. um, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a very cool piece it's not the easiest thing to display because obviously I display it with the rock hammer pages showing, but yeah. the inscription page is pretty cool too. But it, it goes into a into a special display case at home, and uh, um, yeah, it looks pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. And didn't you also buy one of the um, Lord of the Rings uh, Hasbro? That's yeah pieces. I, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a big deal at the time. I kind of remortgaged my house to, to, to buy that. <laughs> big Lord of the Rings fan, especially the first movie. The first yeah. movie in particular, I think, is 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 the strongest. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, it was just a bit too much money for me to uh, to, to kind of cobble together quickly. So uh, I, I took a took out a loan. Um, turned out to be a reasonably shrewd uh, uh, thing to do, but that's not my motivation. Never has been. Um, yeah. I just really wanted. A, and in fact, at the time, New Line Cinema were were expecting to auction the props from Lord of the Rings, and I was just starting to hear rumours that that might not happen. And I was advised by a good friend of mine that he'd heard that it wasn't going to happen and really you should jump on anything that uh, came along. The bow came along, you know, just one of the best pieces possible from the movie. It's yeah. seen, even if it's not being used, it's seen on screen endlessly. Whatever. Right. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it, it, it was a big, big commitment at the time. My wife forewent her kitchen for a couple <laughs> of years to, well, we recovered financially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy I did it and it's still, still at home. Yeah. Uh, get, getting comments, yeah, we're pretty happy with that. So for people who might not have been familiar with that sweepstakes, how did that work? It was like uh, yeah. just a raw drawing? Yeah, for... yeah, New, New Line Cinema did a promotion for Return of the King uh, I think it was eight um, principal character props. Um, it's, uh, Frodo Sting, um, Aragorn's sword, Gandalf's sword, um, Gimli's axe, that kind of thing. They were really, really nice items. And uh, yeah, the, you had to buy a uh, Hasbro, I think it was Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit or something like that. They were Lord of the Rings themed games. Okay. And it was, you just sent in the sweepstakes ticket. It was only open to uh, members of the United States. It wasn't an international thing at all, and um, they published a list of, of winners sometime after the uh, after the competition. And it was just a question of googling, <laughs> googling yeah. the name and the very vague address that they gave out, and it, it, just the usual detective work that goes with these uh, these kind of things. Um, luckily, um, the guy who won it wasn't really that fussed. Um, he wanted obviously good money for it, but at the same time, he he, he was happy to sell it, and I'm happy to own it. Cool. One did didn't one piece end up on eBay? Yeah, one of the, one yes, of the that's right. Um, very within a few weeks actually of me buying the bow, um, Gimli's axe appeared on on eBay, and I just think it caught everybody by surprise. Um, yeah. Obviously, it'd be a different story now if that appeared on eBay. Right. Um, uh, I think it's a friend of mine bid. It was listed at twenty thousand dollars. A friend of mine bid, and um, apparently I've heard since that the the seller of the axe was staggered that somebody bid that amount and she said she was dancing up and down the stairs and somebody bid that kind of money yeah. but uh, my friend didn't win i think it went for 22 or 24,000 in wow. the end um, which sounds like a lot of money and it probably was at the time yeah um, but uh, yeah i think it would go for a bit more now yeah so i know when i saw you at comic con last year um, you were telling me about one of those um, special auctions with a walk-on role. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think that would be an interesting story. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's the best thing I've done in the hobby. Um, I love my props, but to actually be in a movie uh, and with my idol, uh, Clint Eastwood, has is, is, been my hero since I was a kid. Yeah. There's very little um, prop-wise to collect. Um, so when I, when I saw an auction for to have a walk-on part in the Clint Eastwood movie, it was just, I can't describe my feelings at the time and I had to win that auction and I really only did by the skin of my teeth I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how I did it it was I don't mind saying it was, it was about ten thousand dollars yeah um, which is a lot of money for something that um, you don't have a material yeah it's an experience yeah it's an experience yeah. you're buying an experience not a not an item and it, it's a different way of thinking about doing it, it the, the prize the, the, the movie was being filmed in South Africa in Cape Town so the, the three days that the, um, the auction would pay for, uh, the, the prize included flights and um, three days accommodation. Um, so we turned it into a two week vacation. Wow. Um, the, the production company were really good about it. They gave us the, 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 the discounted um, Mal Paso production mm. room rates, which were a third of what they should, wow. the real rate. So it, it, it kind of became a no brainer. Yeah. And my wife soon came around to a, to a two week holiday in, in Cape Town. <laughs> And we, we, we spent a couple of days filming and it was uh, the best, just the best day. I, I can't describe how, how completely cool it was. 
um, just being in the same room and watching Clint Eastwood work. Yeah. Um, so how much time did you spend on set, like watching we, the yeah, whole we process? Spent, yeah, we, we, uh, we arrived pretty early and um, the executive producer took us through into the, into, into the set, which was a pub. It was a pub scene and uh, he just said, just feel free to stand at the back and just, just watch, uh, watch Matt Damon. Matt Damon was filming. And uh, we, so we just stand, stood back at the back and, and, and watched. Um, as they did two or three different takes, I kind of edged further and further into the middle <laughs> of the room. And, and, and the, the scene with Matt Damon, I, I can actually see myself in the background. Yeah. Yeah, which I really shouldn't have been there, but that, that, was, that was cool. <laughs> and then the, uh, the actual scenes we did were filmed in the afternoon. Uh, we got to, uh, lunch was great. We, we got to um, literally sit with, with the executive producers and Clint Eastwood was right next door and just hearing them all chatting. It was. Yeah indescribable really and then our scenes were sort of celebration scenes watching TV in the pub the movie was Invictus uh, it's definitely a blink and you'll miss it performance yeah um, I, 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 I appear seven times on screen but really <laughs> I would expect anybody to uh, to spot it yeah um, but uh, it did lead on to uh, to a conversation with an executive producer who, who said you know that the, his Clint's, Clint's next movie was going to be filming in London and why didn't I come along again? This time it wouldn't cost me anything. Oh, so really? He was, he, was, he was an absolute gentleman about it. And sure enough, he was as good as his word. Um, a week before uh, Clint was filming in, in February this year, um, he got in touch to say, do you fancy doing another day's filming? Wow. And uh, along I went again. <laughs> and this, this time the scene was, uh, it's not a blink and you miss it. If, uh, if, unless the whole scene's cut, I, I should uh, see myself properly. It'll be even, uh, even friends that don't know I'm in the movie will, will if they wow. watch the movie, they'll see me, uh, which is really, really cool. I, I, again, it was a fantastic day. Is filming with Matt Damon again. And we spent the whole day uh, in, in a house, uh, Charles Dickens Museum uh, in London. And it's a very small house. It's a very small crew, uh, very few extras. And uh, it was a quite an intimate uh, wow. experience, really. And literally lis listening to Clint put, put everything together. It's absolutely fascinating, and uh, my ad admiration for him has only gone up. Yeah, uh, it's a, a, an amazing set that he runs. Very quiet, very relaxed. Everybody's laughing and joking, but everybody does their job. Yeah, uh, it's it's remarkable, really, that he's 80 years old and and uh, producing such uh, such great work. Yeah, and you have one Clint Eastwood prop, right? A Colt Walker. Yeah, I have, I have a couple of pieces. Um, Clint Eastwood stuff, as I say, is very hard to find. He, he tends to um, he tends to keep and archive his his material, which is which is kind of sensible, really. From a selfish point of view, it's not, but uh, I'm sure it'll all end up in, in in a museum or a or a university. Um, yeah, the the Colt Walker from the Outlaw Josie Wales is, is a screen matched pistol. It's a real pistol. It's a heavy pistol. It's, I had no idea beforehand how how big these things are. Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of. Uh, that's kind of a significant piece of my collection. And that came from, it wasn't a movie memorabilia auction, it was more of a gun auction. Yeah, it was correct? a Western memorabilia auction, actually. And, and I think um, I managed to pick it up for quite a good price. And I think really the reason is it wasn't an original gun. If it had been a, a real real Colt Walker, I think it has a significant value. It turns out this is a, a, a 60s made Italian replica, uh -huh. which they use for filming because they're much, much cheaper. And they can convert them and um, generally mess around with them without any issues and so due to the fact I think it wasn't a real gun um, even though it was Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood and John Wayne items tend to go quite high in these auctions right for some reason this piece sneaked through and I'm very happy to get that too 
Very cool. So, what kinds of um, things have you sort of seen working at props prop store that you really like that you know you didn't you never bought or anything? But oh, it's just uh, that would be an endless list. Uh, <laughs> it's just great stuff comes in all the time, and obviously it goes out to. Um, it goes out to different collectors, or, or, or sometimes it stays at prop store as part of our, our, our collection. We, we maintain a collection at prop store for things like for things like this for Comic Con, where we're expected, you know, to, to present some some pretty nice stuff. Yeah. And we have endless visitors to our facilities in, in London and Los Angeles, and uh, we like to have cool stuff for people to see. I mean, yeah. um, sometimes it's a bit frustrating that pieces aren't for sale. But I think everybody appreciates what we're doing. We're, right. we, we love this stuff. We're collectors at heart as well. So we try and preserve. We're preserving stuff. We're displaying items. You know, it's, it's what we're about. And it's really difficult to let go some pieces. But uh, uh, on my desk at the moment in the office in London is uh, Rick Baker's um, Nazi demon werewolf head from American Wolf in London. That's a particular favorite. Hmm. Uh, it's not going to be sold anytime soon, but it, I love having that on my desk. There's always something cool though, and it changes from week to week. Yeah. So, in terms of your um, customers, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a lot of. I mean, it's just it's very international. Oh yeah. yeah. How would you break out like the percentage of your customers, just in terms of numbers? You know, first, you know, the United States yeah, versus Europe I, versus you know the rest of the I world. I would say uh, the majority of collectors are in the U.S. Uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. There's a, a, a very large collect- collecting community in the U.K. Um, the, the European collectors, there's more and more. We, we're finding, you know, we've got like a dozen collectors in Spain and. and you know, there's collectors in Germany, and we're we're finding. I've got four or five different collectors in Turkey now. You know, they're, they're it really is spreading, and I, I still think it's um, a hobby in its infancy. I still think there's a, a a long, long way to go. You look at music memorabilia to see the potential of how vast it could be. Um, we have collectors in South Africa, in Thailand, lots of collectors in Australia, um, New Zealand. Um, I could go on. It's, Almost every country you could think of, there's there's somebody. Yeah. Uh, not always not always a buyer, but there's there's interest. You know, we get emails from from absolutely everywhere. Yeah. So I've had an opportunity to talk with a lot of collectors over the last few days here at Comic Con because the great thing is a lot of you know collectors show up and we actually get to see each other face to face and have normal conversations that aren't typed. But. Uh, Kind of this trend I've noticed talking to people is that there's sort of this consensus that there's been a real value jump on you know the middle to high end pieces where people are kind of saying they're not really going to pursue that stuff or they're going to take a break or you know there seems to be sort of a shift where I don't know if things are getting a little more mainstream and maybe there's buyers buying stuff and pushing the prices up that aren't really involved in the community or what, but I was just sort of interested in your thoughts it's, on that. Uh, to be completely honest with you, it's not something I've noticed. No? Uh, not really. Uh, I'd be interested to, to hear examples if anybody has them, but we're finding business is good. Um, obviously, it is a supply and demand industry. There's no way around that. Um, some of the items are one of a kind. Um, what kind of titles are you thinking of? For, for you know, I think kind of what I'm getting from people is that they're looking at 
say the profiles and history auctions mm -hmm. and they're looking at prices realized and they're sort of looking back two, three, five years ago and just how much things have gone up. Because I know like a lot of people, I mean, you're not, I know from talking to you, you're not a big Star Wars um, fanatic, That's let's say. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people got into the hobby because they're into Star Wars and now they're sort of feeling like, you know, maybe everything that's really good stuff that's out there has sort of been found and surfaced. Yes, and, Star know. Wars is, a, is, a, is a kind of an extreme example in many ways because yeah. the, without, I mean, without any question, it's the most requested title. I mean, 10 to 1, everybody right. wants Star Wars. And what we have noticed is supply for the original trilogy of movies has all but dried up. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to be offered stuff pretty regularly um, or it would be traded into us and we'd have uh, you know crew members coming to see us especially in the UK and um, we've just noticed that it's I won't say it's stopped but it's significantly uh, down yeah. there's obviously only a finite number of original pieces out there and um, they are becoming increasingly hard to find and I could certainly see anything Star Wars related prices going up yeah again supply and demand uh, there is no supply and there is lots of demand and uh, that wouldn't uh, surprise me at all to see prices for anything for Star Wars you know what you know some kind of average pieces like you say right I could see them fetching higher amounts now yeah and the, the what you'd call the premium pieces sort of stormtrooper helmets and upwards right. are, are going for tens of thousands of dollars and I can only see that continuing I think um, it's just my personal feeling for a long time jump from sort of thirty to forty thousand dollars for a stormtrooper helmet to right. sort of seventy or eighty right and uh, I kind of said that I thought the next one would go for that kind of figure and, and it did and I could see the next one doing six figures yeah um, just just for, it's just just a personal theory it's not um, you know I just think there's more and more collectors in the market each time and fewer fewer pieces yeah so is there anything that you have always wanted to find that you haven't ever really gotten or missed opportunities? <laughs> no, or? I don't have uh, regrets or missed opportunities really. I, most things kind of happen for a reason, I figure. Yeah. Most collectors know there's always something around the corner. You miss out on something very cool and something else cooler comes comes along. Right. Um, as I said, my favorite movie is The Princess Bride. And as I said earlier, I've had the second best prop from the greatest movie ever made. The best prop is, is the Spaniard sword. Yeah. That's something I've, I've been seeking for, since I started collecting. You could argue it was the reason I started collecting, to yeah. try and find that. And I now have a line on it. I know where it is. So you know it exists. I know it exists, finally, after going through virtually every crew member I can think of. Wow. Uh, and I've s spoken to many of the crew. Um, yeah, I finally got a line on that. And um, fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, do you are you very rigid about when you find something new, you sell something to keep a certain? Generally speaking, if if it's if it's an expensive item, and unfortunately my taste now is expensive. Yeah. Uh, I'm more often than not I'm forced into into selling to to, um, to get a new piece in. If I feel I'm upgrading in my collection, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And I don't have any regret. I've sold some great stuff, you know, had some lovely, lovely pieces, but, you know, sometimes you get bored of things. You know, all collectors have reasons for different reasons for letting, letting items go. Um, but I find uh, 
I have no regrets about upgrading and uh, I like to keep my collection small which is kind of where we started there yeah um, it's, it's, yeah how much travel do you do and visiting like do you actually go visit other collectors to yeah, see their collections yeah, we, in the UK yeah we, we do a lot of traveling to see uh, f through work um, you know for business meeting business people and, and uh, going to sets and producers or you know wherever it might take us we you know we have to go and that's fine um, visit collectors within in the UK very regularly uh, there's, a, there's a small group of people there that are, I would generally call good friends um, you know we can hook up and never mention a prop or a movie it's, right. it's really really good um, yeah we stopped off on the way out here to comic-con at a friend's you know to see a collection um, you know we were hosted fantastically it was it was tremendous fun um, we travel endlessly, you know. Uh, the, uh, Stephen's coming back out to um, celebration in a couple of weeks in Florida. Um, as I said, I'm not a Star Wars fan, so I wasn't overly, overly worried about missing that one. Um, but yeah, we, we seem to um, we would travel to auctions. You know, I used to used to have to take a day off work to go to an auction. Now I get paid to do it. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. And obviously, we've been out to a few auctions over here as well. So. Um, so yeah, do you do you go to most of the big Christie's, Barnum's, those pretty, pretty pretty much anything in London we'll go to. Yeah. Um, unless because obviously some of the catalogues are dire and there really is no uh, if there's nothing of interest then then we won't go. But having said that, if one of our friends is interested in bidding on something, we quite often it's like an excuse to get together for a lunch or something. So we'll all uh, we'll all pile down to Christie's or wherever it might be to uh, to get together and hang out a bit more. Yeah. It's what we like doing. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty much we 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 go to we go to most events I think, and obviously Brandon covers a lot of stuff out here in Los Angeles. So uh, yeah, it's not too many we miss. So how was the big Bond um, Christie's auction a few years back? Yeah, that was that was really cool. That was again that was um, one of those situations where it was in, uh, we were handling just iconic items. Yeah. You know, um, you know the PP from from. Uh, uh, Doctor No. Yeah. It's just you just think it's something you never even see, let alone handle. Yeah. And uh, it it drew interest from all around the world. You know, we were talking to guys like the guys at Walther directly. You know, they were helpful um, in our initial research. You know, although we had all the paperwork and the serial numbers, and uh, you know, we sort of double and treble checked everything to make sure we had our facts right. And. Uh, in fact, Walther in the end came over to buy buy a piece from the auction. They were mm. they were missing a piece from their own archive, and um, that was that was incredible. It was great exposure for us. It was the first time Christie's have uh, co-branded with another company, yeah. uh, so that was kind of a big deal, um, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, uh, Christie's were great, and uh, I think a lot of people got some great items uh, from that sale. Yeah, do you think there'll ever be another property like that that you might come upon where you're that involved working you know, directly with an auction house? Oh, very, very possibly. I'm not sure um, we would choose that avenue of, of um, exposure for it. It, it yeah. just worked out really well that uh, that's what the client wanted. Um, it, it gave it a certain status yeah. um, going through someone like Christie's. Um, and uh, I think it worked really well. Um, but that, I think we would uh, visit each each um, item or each commodity as as as, as it's presented to us. And I th some things are, would be better presented, like at Comic Con, there would be uh, there would be a, this would be an ideal um, exposure for, for for a particular franchise. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's each each to their own.
And did you go to the um, Christie's Star Trek auction back in, was in, it 06 uh, or 07? Uh, yeah, October 06, I think it was. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was fantastic. I'm not a Trekkie at all. I have very, very little interest in, in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I've seen most of the shows, but that's kind of as far as it's gone. But uh, talking about Christie's, they really looked after us there. They gave us a, a sort of a private room and supplied us with wine and nibbles and things. I think the wine is just to get people drunk so they bid higher, I don't yeah. know, that's, that's what I suspected. But again, um, there's a great group of people together, we had a fantastic time, and we were in New York, I mean, who, who, there's no, no reason to complain there. Yeah. So, getting back to Comic-Con, um, this is your third year here. Yep. What do you see sort of comparing um, you know, the last three years as far as people, you know, quote, getting it and kind of yep. understanding what you guys do. Yeah, it's a slow process. Um, yeah. We're finding industry people and uh, collectors have, have no trouble grasping what we're up to. Right. But your average Comic-Con goer uh, has no idea. Even when you explain to them that they're yeah. not replicas, they're the real <laughs> thing, they still ask you how many edition numbers you're going to be yeah. doing for these things. I've and, overheard some of those conversations yeah. over the last and, few days. <laughs> and you explain it and they still really can't grasp that these are the, the real deal. Right. Um, some of them do, sure, and they, they, they get quite excited and they take away our brochure and uh, you know promise to visit the website. So um, you know hopefully they'll, they'll find their way back to us. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, quite, it's almost amusing. Um, that some people just can't grasp it at all. Yeah. But, you know, they're not prop collectors, they're not, you know, they're maybe comic guys. Yeah, and I think the values too, because I, I overheard one couple, they were looking at the um, Superman costume mm -hmm. from Superman, at Superman Returns. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were trying to figure out how much it costs, and I think they saw the, the Superman um, little placard for the belt buckle from the Christopher Reeves movie, and they thought that was the cost okay. of the entire costume, which, <laughs> okay. you know, was pretty interesting, but um, I think it just shows how foreign yeah. it all is. To yeah, it's to funny, people. I've noticed obviously some of the higher priced items, and obviously not all the items are priced, um, it's almost, a, the higher price is almost a good thing for some people, it kind of reassures them that it is the real thing, because right. they kind of expect it to be um, unobtainable. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely people that expect to pay uh, replica prices for um, their Superman costumes. Yeah, and I think that sort of underscores some of the fraud in the hobby too, because you can see how people could go to a convention and they just don't have really any understanding of it. And if it's priced high, like you said, they might think it's real, but yeah, yeah, it and that's could not be real That's too, kind of scary so. too, yeah. I mean, as you know, that you've seen a, another Superman costume in the hall there, yeah. which is a little bit spurious. We went on our <laughs> reconnaissance mission. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, you know, I don't want to get into, involved with that too much, yeah. but um, yeah, there's, there's certainly expectations. Yeah. And I think it's just, there's the, like this event is so commerce and retail driven that, yep. um, well, that's you know. what I've noticed. Even in the three years that we've we've been coming here, is the is the corporate input. Yeah, um, it's obviously this is a comic based uh, event, and those guys are just kind of pushed into a corner now. Um, yeah, I'm sure they're quite bitter about it as well. Right. Um, there's all sorts of logistical problems with this place because it's just rapidly outgrowing yeah. the environment. You know, we're sitting here and you can see events going on in hotels. There's <laughs> there's parachutes coming out of a window as we're looking with. Oh yeah. With, uh, 
the messages on or, or something. <laughs> so uh, they, they just spread across the town. There's a there's a stage on the other side of the marina. Um, yeah, it's a bit surreal. Yeah, it's just vast. I mean, there's absolutely even in four or five days, it's impossible to cover this place. Um, yeah, and uh, I think it's um, I think it's going to become a bigger issue as as these corporate. Um, there's Warner Brothers and the Fox Studios here I just want to expand it seems every year and yeah. make a bigger presentation a bigger splash so uh, I think it's only going to get more hectic rather than calmer yeah but you guys have your foot in the door at least yeah I think whatever that's trick. happens <laughs> that's the trick is getting in isn't it once you're in that you kind of uh, you kind of stay in yeah and I don't I don't see too many people quitting is all the same vendors and, and right. uh, people here from the last couple of years so I think it, I think everybody enjoys it as well I think that's a big deal it's not just a business exercise yeah people enjoy this place it really is I recommend anybody listening to this if there's still anybody tuned in now <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, it really is a great great place to come yeah well I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk and my absolute pleasure Jason, it probably is your pleasure to escape for a little yeah, while yes no complaints and, uh, you know I appreciate prop store coming and I know it's a big expense to be here and you're really just sort of you know spreading the word about the hobby and I think that's great for everybody just sure this is a promotional event for us it's not it's not a sales event for us it's uh, exactly and that does take a lot of pressure off yeah and it really benefits everybody so I'm glad uh, to hear it thanks thanks again my pleasure man all right thank you for listening to our program prop talk for the latest news about the world of original television and movie memorabilia, please visit us online at www.originalpropblog.com.